Right, good morning. Have you ever been lost? Have you ever uh, felt uh, like you didn't know where you were and you knew you needed to be somewhere or you wanted to be somewhere else and you didn't know how? You didn't know how to get there. I remember as a child, I was taken on, um, I guess, a day outing to the snow. Uh, a bunch of us kids got on a bus with our teachers, and they took us to a mountain that got some snow. And uh, I had this sled that my dad made for me, and I was like going to use it. And uh, it turned out the sled didn't work so well. But uh, I just remember uh, being uh, in a crowd, and uh, the snow was coming down, or I think it was more like a frozen rain coming down, and my cheeks were getting red and cold, and I felt I need to, to go back to where the bus is, and I didn't know where. I didn't know where the bus was. Um, much later in my life, I realized I was lost spiritually, and I didn't know how to get to be right with God. Uh, I could tell. I knew people who seemed to have a right relationship with God, and I knew I did not have a right relationship with God, but I didn't know how. How I could have a right relationship with God. And um, if you are in that position this morning, you're in the right place. Um, I remember praying to God and saying, you know, if you would show me how, if you show me the way from here where I am to where I want to be in a right relationship with you, uh, I will tell others. And uh, this morning I have an opportunity to do that. <laughs> an opportunity to, to tell others. And that is... Uh, the reason Paul wrote this epistle, in fact, a lot of people will use a gospel presentation that they will call the Roman road, because Roman is such a clear exposition of how to become right with God, that uh, people will use the book of Romans for that purpose. And so we have an opportunity uh, to do that this morning. In fact, uh, this passage includes the verse... Uh, that God used to save me, that God used to open my eyes uh, to understand the way to be right with him. So hopefully, if, uh, if you are in need of that, you could receive that uh, blessing this morning. Uh, with that, uh, turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 3. Uh, we uh, finished with going up to verse 20 last week. Uh, but I think it will be helpful to go back just a couple of verses before we start our passage. So our passage today starts in verse 21, but for continuity, it's probably helpful to start in verse 19. So Romans chapter 3, and starting in verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. 
Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. So let's go back to the uh, concept of being lost. Uh, what, is, what are the, the steps you need to take to get to where you want to be. You are lost, you have no idea where you are, and you want to be somewhere else. You have no idea how to get there. Well, the first thing you have to do is you have to find out where you are. Uh, I love using uh, my phone to help me get to places. It has um, a GPS in it. It knows the location where the phone is. And it has in its storage a map. Uh, and it's able to find where I want to be. I, I have to tell him where I want to get to. And uh, my GPS or my phone is smart enough to then uh, plot a path for me to get, to tell me exactly how to drive. And in fact, as I am driving, it will tell me to make a left or a right or whatever it is I need to do to find where I need to get to. But the first thing my GPS needs or my phone needs is to know where it actually is. And uh, on your phone, it's a feature you could enable or disable, right? Your phone may not know where you are if either the GPS is broken or if you disabled the, you, you simply don't give permission to your phone to find out where you are, right? Some people for privacy, they just don't want other people to know where they're at and so they disable the location or they might disable it for certain apps. Uh, the app has to have permission to know where you actually are. Well, to, for my phone to be able to help me, 
get to where I want to get, I need to enable the find location, right? The phone has to know where it actually is. Uh, I need to know where I actually am. Well, Paul has spent the last, or at least the better part of the last three chapters to help us understand where we are spiritually. And that's kind of summarized in the first verses we read. In verse 19, it said, now we know that whatever the law says, and he's talking here about the law of Moses, right? Whatever the law says, all these rules that God gives us in the Bible, it says to those who are under the law, that is to Jews, to Israelites, to the people who receive the law of God from God, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. What do people do when you try to point out their mistakes? Do they accept it? Says, you're right, thanks for telling me. It's like, no, they come up with excuses. I'm not wrong. <laughs> you know, this and this happened, right? Uh, well, God wants that to stop, right? God, in his word, tell us that we are guilty. And we keep coming up with excuses that, no, God, I'm not guilty. Let me explain to you why I'm not wrong. Uh, and God wants that to stop. And the, per, the reason, the way God attempted to stop it is he took his law, his perfect law, and he gave it to the Jewish people. And uh, he took them out of the best stock, out of the stock of Israel, the friend of Abraham, the friend of God. And he gave them every incentive in the world to obey his law. He promised them blessing upon blessing if they would just obey his law. And he warned them of the punishment, the consequences of not keeping his law. So they had the best, if anyone in the world would keep God's law, it would be these people. And yet they failed again and again. The purpose here, we're told, was that all the world will stop claiming to be innocent and agree with God that we are guilty, right? We are sinners. We do wrong from, you know, when we're yay high to the day of our death. We're going to keep doing things that are displeasing to God. And God wants us to recognize that. That is where we are right now. We are guilty before God. That's the... That's what we need to understand. Uh, second, he said, therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So sometimes we will say, okay, well, I'm guilty. That's okay. I can change. Right? From now on, I'm going to do the right thing. Right? And I'll, I'll, from now on, I'm going to keep the law of God, and then I'll be right with God. And, and Paul is pointing out, you know, it's not going to work. Right? Nobody is going to be justified by the law because the purpose of the law is to reveal the fact that we're sinful. The law was not given to us to fix us. Right? God sees inside of us. He knows we cannot keep his law. We cannot do what's right. We will keep doing things that are wrong. We're going to keep sinning. He didn't give us the law to fix our problem. He gave us the law to show us our problem. So number one, I need to realize I am lost. I am separated from God. I am guilty. Number two, I cannot fix myself. I cannot fix myself. These are things we must know before we can get on the right road. Just like my phone has to know where I am in order to lead me to where I want to be, 
I have to know where I am in order for God to be able to show me how I can get to a place where I'm right with God. Okay, second, get your directions from a reliable source. So again, you know, my phone is fairly reliable, right? It has in its storage a map of Fremont, all the cities around, I think the state of California, possibly the whole world, right? I could probably find some dinky little road, you know, in, in Brazil that will help me cross from one village to another, right? Right here. How does it know it? Well, to start with, it knows it because it downloads the information from other maps. How do those maps know the location of roads? Well, usually, at least today, if you build a new road, you have to communicate that information, right? You can't put a new freeway uh, between uh, Fremont and Hayward and not tell anybody about it. By law, you have to communicate it. You have to draw a map. You have to submit a permit. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to build a new road, right? And it's going to go from here to there, and it gets approval, and then you build it, and then you have someone come and check and verify this road really did what it's supposed to do, and it was built according to specification. And all of that is stored information, right? And so Google has access to it, right? And it can just download all that information of maps, right? So that's one way. Another thing Google could do or verify it, it has satellite imagery, right? There's these satellites, and they take pictures of the world, and you could actually see the roads where they go, and I guess Google could maybe align the two and verify, okay, I have information about a road in Brazil, let me check if it really exists before I put it you know, on my app for people. Phones have misled people. Uh, people have sued uh, Apple because they followed uh, Apple Maps in Australia and it led them into the outback, into a place where they were, uh, their life was in peril. Uh, I once followed the GPS uh, up in Northern California, and it got me stuck because it showed a road going through that didn't go through. There was something blocking the road. Uh, not a new feature. It was you know, a permanent feature, and somehow in the Google Maps or whatever GPS I was using, the information you know, was not accurate, and I got stuck, right? So, I mean, Google or your GPS or your phone can certainly mislead you. But what about getting to heaven? You know, can my phone take me there? <laughs> Where will it get uh, the information, right? Uh, who is the one uh, who made a way for us to get to heaven, right? You're going to have to go there to get the source, right? Um, you cannot use a satellite, right? There's no satellite imagery. There's no camera that can capture the path to heaven, right? So we need it from someone who can see, right? And that person is God. God is the one uh, who made a way to heaven, right? God is the one who sees the path people have to take to get to heaven. I can't see it, right? Uh, your phone can't, the satellite can't. So, and that is what we have here. So Paul continues in verse 21 saying, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets. And Paul is taking us all the way back now to Romans chapter 1. And uh, I, I think 
was David that preached then? I, I could be wrong. It might have been one of the other brothers. And he pointed to the key verse or verses <coughs> of the book of Romans. And Paul started saying, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So it is the gospel. The gospel literally means good news, but the gospel, gospel is a message. It's a message that describes how you can get to heaven, right? How you can be righteous with God, right? That's what the gospel is. And Paul makes this very clear in Galatians chapter 1, that this is a message from God. He said, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, God gave this message to me. I didn't come up with it, right? I didn't learn it from somebody else. You know, Peter and James didn't take me aside and said, hey, this is the message, right? I received it directly by revelation from Jesus, right? Paul, Paul got it directly from God. Now, you know, some people might question and say, well, you know, Paul, you know, or, you know, pick anybody you want, uh, even the New Testament, right? But Paul points out, look, this is witnessed by the law and the prophets. To me, the greatest evidence for the truth of the, of the gospel is you can find it historically written in the Old Testament. The Old Testament was written before Jesus ever came, right? We could find copies of it predating Jesus by 200 years, right? The Jewish people today who do not believe in Jesus have in their hands the whole the Old Testament, right, that has prophecies regarding Jesus, right? And that proves that it's not something that was made up by man, right? It's a message from God. So number one, if you want to find out how to get to heaven, you have to find out where you are, understand where you are. You're a sinner who is not able to make himself right with God. Number two, get the directions from a reliable source. Well, that is what we're studying, right? The word of God, right? The gospel, the message. All right, number three, uh, make sure that you understand the directions, right? So, um, my, uh, my daughters spent this past week at a camp up in the Sierra, as some of you know. Uh, it, it's part of the Awana program, and um, it's about three and a half hours away, so it's quite a drive. And uh, one of uh, the kids uh, who we know of, he goes to the same Awana program at Newark Community Church. Um, he was up there in the camp. Uh, he got COVID while up there, and he drove... Uh, up with a group of other kids. One of the counselors come from that church, and she drove, I think, maybe six kids up there. And uh, now one of them has COVID. What are you going to do? 
I mean, the counselor can't take him back down with six other kids in the car with him having COVID because he might infect the other kids. He might infect the counselor. So she called uh, the boy's mother and said, you have to come and get your kid, right, because he has COVID. And um, their mother called my wife and asked, you know, whether we could get him. <laughs> we said, sorry. You know, we're getting together with Nord's family next week. Uh, Nord's parents are in their 70s. Uh, we can't expose ourselves because we might end up infecting them. And uh, she said, well, you know, what am I going to do? I've never driven more than an hour away in my car. Uh, so this, this is a woman who just does not have experience driving up to the mountains. She's never driven in the mountains before. So, I mean, we could have told her, well, you know, just uh, this is how you go. You know, take this freeway, then that. You know, don't go too fast, don't go too slow. Um, but we, we felt for her, and so we said, okay, we'll do this, okay? We're both driving up to the camp anyways, because my wife was gonna drive up there and then take Nessia down to a soccer tournament in LA. I was gonna go take Nessia and bring, so I bring, get Eliana and bring Eliana back to the Bay Area. So we're both going up in two separate cars. So okay, you come with us. You're going to go right between us. My wife will lead, you follow her, I'm behind just in case anything happens, right? And that's how we did. We, we caravaned up to the mountain. You know, we stopped at Costco so she could get gas. We stopped at the bathroom uh, along the way because she had the youngest son with her so he could use the bathroom. But we went all the way there. We took her all the way uh, to the camp. So praise God, you know, I don't have to give you a difficult set of instructions of how to get to heaven. Uh, I mean, in fact, it's not about me. It's about what, what Paul says. He says this, um, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. How do you get this righteousness? Verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. All you have to do is believe in Jesus Christ. Just one thing in order to be saved. Now, it's similar to how uh, this lady, her name is Elim, she had to put her faith in me and my wife, that we were leading her the right way, and that we weren't going to go uh, too fast or do something else that was going to endanger. She had, in a sense, to trust in us. The same way you have to put your faith in the Lord Jesus in order to go to heaven. You have to trust him to get you there. Now, we might point out that there's certain other things that you will end up having to believe, right? Uh, one of them is you will have to believe in who Jesus is, right? You will never trust Jesus to get you to heaven if you don't believe that Jesus is God or the Son of God, right? Because I couldn't get you to heaven. If I said, just believe in me, just trust in me, and I'll get you to heaven. Like, Noad, you know, how are you going to do it, right? You're just a sinner yourself, right? What power do you have to make me right with God, right? So the only way Jesus can make us right with God is if he is who he says he is, the Son of God. Jesus said this. Um, 
in John 8, and he said to them, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. If you don't believe Jesus is who he says he is, uh, he can't save you. Uh, second thing that, that uh, you would have to believe, if you are trusting Jesus to save you from your sins, you have to believe he did the work required to save you uh, from your sins. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So this is an, another description of the gospel, perhaps really the simplest description of the gospel, the fact that Jesus died for your sins, he was buried, and he rose again. That was the work of salvation. If you don't believe Jesus did that, then again, why would you trust him to save you from your sins? There has to be a basis. We're going to get more into depth into that in uh, the, next, the next question. Okay. So you have to uh, know where you are. You have to have a reliable source of direction. Uh, you need to understand the directions. And number four, you need to make sure that the costs will be met. Uh, so I don't know about you guys, but it seems to me that gas has gotten kind of expensive <laughs> lately. So my wife is going to, I mentioned to you, she's going to go, she went all the way to the Sierras to pick up my daughter from the camp. Then she went all the way down to Los Angeles. And then she's going to come back all the way here. And now usually my wife will drive the minivan. She's more comfortable driving the minivan. But a minivan uh, is not quite as fuel efficient as my small Toyota Corolla. So guess which car she took this weekend. <laughs> she took my small Toyota Corolla. Why? Because gas is so expensive, right? We had to say, okay, you know, what can we afford? How much money are we willing to pay on this trip? We'll take the small car, right? Because that's what we can afford. Uh, there's a lot, you know, bigger trips out there. So, I mean, that, that whole trip will probably cost over $100, maybe a couple of hundreds of dollars of gas money. Uh, you might think about, well, I would like to, uh, to go on a vacation uh, to the Caribbean. Uh, you know, you're going to have to find out how much that costs. You don't want to go all the way there and then run out of money, right, and not be able to come back home. You'll end up, you know, living in the Caribbean washing dishes, right, because you didn't, you didn't do your math in advance. Um, there are some people who are paying their way to go to space, right, to the space station. Some people have purchased tickets to go around the moon. Guess who's not doing it? <laughs> Why? Because it costs millions of dollars, right? Uh, I can't afford that. 
I'm not going to go on a trip that I don't have the money to pay for. What about going to heaven? How much is that going to cost me? Right? That's a question that you would have to ask. That's where I want to go. What is it going to cost? Well, I mean, praise the Lord. Uh, not that it's not expensive, but it's not you who have to pay the cost for it. Why? Because the, the passage tells us, uh, as we continue, uh, so this is the, the way of righteousness, the way to heaven, uh, is revealed to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So, first of all, it will cost you nothing. Right? God is offering it to you for free. What if someone would offer you a trip to the Caribbean for free? Would you take it? Well, God is offering you to, uh, you know, a one-way ticket to heaven for free. Right? You don't have to pay. Right? That's what it says, that we're being offered freely. Right? Being justified, that means being declared righteous with God freely, for free, uh, by his grace. Right? It's just because God wants to do it, because God loves you. Right? Um, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Okay, wait a second. What is that meaning? It means that somebody else paid for it. Redemption is typically the price you pay to buy something back. So let's say I was uh, completely out of money. Uh, I don't know if you can still do it, but it used to be that you could pawn your item. So I, you know, I could take my car to someone and say, okay, what will you give me to, uh, to keep my car until I can buy it back from you? And the person will say, well, I'll give you $5,000. Right? And in the meantime, that person will you know, lease it to other people, let them use it, make money renting it. And then I come back and I say, okay, I want my car back now. They'll say, fine, that will be $10,000. Right? That's how these shops were making their money. They would charge you more to buy the same thing that you've given to them. Right? So I don't know how, how alive this business is today. It used to be a genuine business that was being practiced. Um, and that's redemption speaks of that, buying something back, right? So you didn't pay for it, but God paid for your trip to heaven through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. In Jesus is the payment for you to go to heaven. Uh, it keeps going here. Sorry, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith. Um, so we're going to break it down. And by the way, this is the verse that God used to save me, number one. Number two is I could not understand this verse. At the time, I was trying to intellectually understand what this verse means, and I failed. So don't feel bad. If you're looking at this verse, it's like, you know, I'm struggling putting these words together. That was exactly how I felt at the time. But let me try to break it down for you, uh, word by word if necessary, to make sure we understand uh, 
because we're talking here about God paying your way to heaven. God paying your way to heaven. So we want to understand. This is important. Uh, first of all, it says, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood. This is talking about Jesus, right? We're talking about the redemption, the price, the money value, except it's not money, right? But the value that is in Jesus, right? Uh, God set him forth is speaking of the cross, right? And the fact God wanted it to be publicly known. So I may not tell you how much money I have in my bank, right? I might feel kind of private about it, right, uh, for various reasons, and you might feel the same way about yours. Uh, I may not want to tell you how much I paid for my house, right? Now, you could actually look it up. You could go online and find out the last time someone bought my house what they paid, uh, and that would be me. But I might not be particularly proud about it, right, or want the whole world to know about it. Not so when it came to paying the cost or the price for you going to heaven. God wanted it publicly known. Jesus was crucified, executed publicly for everyone to see, right? So if you happen to be there, you would see Jesus hanging on a cross. It wasn't hidden in any way, number one. Number two, it was placed in a location that would be would have as many people as possible see it, right? Jesus could have been crucified, you know, in a, in a court of prison, right? When, you know, very few people would have happened to be there and see it. No, he was crucified right outside of Jerusalem, within sight of the walls of Jerusalem. That was number two. Number three, it happened during the most public time. It was the Passover Every Jew was supposed to come up to Jerusalem. And as they would come up to Jerusalem by the road, there they would see the Lord Jesus crucified. <clears throat> so that's what it means by God set him forth. God wanted everybody to see Jesus paying the price for your sins. Now this was, we could say, well, it was just a small nation, right? right? It was just in Israel. Right? It, why wasn't it done in Rome? Well, that nation was the nation that God had prepared to receive the Messiah. Right? God took the Jews or Israel out of the rest of the world. He prepared them. He gave them his word. He showed them their sinfulness. He promised them the Messiah. And after they believed, it would be their job to tell the rest of the world. Right? So God did it in a place where the people who were most prepared for that event could see it and then have the opportunity to share it with the rest of the world. So God set him forth. He wanted everybody to know that the price was paid. Uh, to be a propitiation. Um, we don't use the word propitiation very much, but it means to satisfy. Let's say I ran into Janio's uh, car by accident with my car. And I would tell him, Johnny, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to do it. And, uh, you know, Johnny o might still be upset with me, but if I said, okay, Johnny o, here's $10,000, you know, to pay for the damage I caused to your car, Johnny o would be happy. It's like, okay, yeah, 
I believe you'll sorry about it. I see the price. You're paying to fix it. I'm satisfied. All right? That's what it means when it says that Jesus was our propitiation. God is satisfied. So we have sinned against God. Our sin offends God. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. God will not accept into heaven anyone who sinned against him because the sins must be paid for. Jesus paid for your sins. And because he has paid for your sin, God is satisfied. And you no longer have to pay for your sin because Jesus paid for them in full. Right? That's what it means that, um, that God set him forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith. When I was sitting uh, in a room in a Bible study, going through this verse, I told you I could not understand this verse. God, in his mercy, chose to open my eyes in a particular way. And God saves everyone differently, and you don't have to have an experience like this to be saved. You, you're, you're saved when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to save you from your sins. End of story. You don't need to have any experience. As it happened to be, God chose to help me as I was struggling with this verse. And um, the way he did it was, you know, I will sometimes use the word vision, uh, a daydream, uh, but it was as if I found myself in another room, uh, courtroom, and I was being judged for my sins. And God was the judge. And for the first time in my life, I felt I was in trouble with God. I realized that I sinned against him and I did not want the consequence of my sins. Right? Intellectually, people have before told me I was a sinner and they pointed to verses talking about God will judge me for my sins. But in my heart of heart, I just didn't believe it until that time. God had to convince me of that that I was really in trouble because of my sins. And someone stood up in the back of the courtroom and said, I'm willing to pay the sins instead of this man. And I didn't know who that was. You know, it obviously represented the Lord Jesus, but I looked at the judge to see if the judge would accept what this man offered, because... If I was to go into a court of law today and uh, you know, stand up in the back and say, I'm willing to pay the penalty instead of this man, I would be thrown out of court in contempt of court. Right? You can't do that. Right? And so I was looking at the judge to see if the judge would accept what this man offered to do in my place. And all the judge did was look back at me. And then I understood for the first time the meaning of the gospel. <laughs> and that was, will I accept what Jesus did for me? God already accepted what Jesus did for me, but I also needed to accept. I needed to trust what Jesus did for me. Uh, if if uh, you bought a house and you owed a million dollars for that house, and I happen to have an extra million dollars, right? And I would go to the bank and say, I'm going to pay this for Howard. You know, 
Here's the million dollars Howard owes you, and then he will owe you nothing. The bank will actually have to have Howard sign a piece of paper, right, recognizing, yeah, this is the million dollars I am paying you, right? There has to be a legal recognition that this payment was really being made on Howard's behalf. In the same way, for you to be saved, even though Jesus paid for your sins, you have to accept what Jesus did for you. You have to trust what Jesus did for you. You have to accept that that payment is, is valid in your eyes. You're going to trust what Jesus did for you to get you to heaven. Right? Uh, there has to be that portion of it. And that's why it says that God set Jesus as a propitiation. By his blood, Jesus paid for it. Through faith, you have to believe it. Right? You have to believe in what Jesus did for you in order to, for the, the value, for that ticket to heaven to be good. Okay, um, number five or number four, uh, I, said, see, I said, first you have to find out where you are, right? If you want to get somewhere, if you want to get to heaven, you have to find out where you are. We're guilty, we're sinners, we cannot save ourselves. Uh, you have to get your directions from a reliable source. We're looking at the word of God. What did God say? How did God say, I can get to heaven? Uh, number four, make sure that you understand the direction, right? We're trusting in Jesus. Uh, make sure you know how the cost will be met. Jesus paid the cost, right? Uh, number five, uh, make sure that you have the rights of access. So I'm hoping to go to Halfdome uh, this year. Right? I might talk about that some more later. But uh, not everybody can climb up half them anymore. It used to be, the good old days, you know, you just do it, right? You're down there, you know, put your hiking boots on and get on and start walking. Not anymore. Now to get all the way to the top, you have to have a ticket, right? And you can't even buy the ticket, right? You, you will have to pay for it but they're limiting the number of people going up. And that's for safety reasons, and we understand it, right? It's, it's a dangerous place to climb, and if you have too many people going on at the same time, you're increasing the likelihood of an accident. So to, to keep everybody safe, the uh, uh, Yosemite you know, park is limiting access. And the way I can get access is uh, two days or three days before I want to climb, I have to enter a lottery. I have to go to a website. I have to pay $10 and say, me and a couple of my friends want to go up. And they'll say, fine. You know, we'll take your $10. And by the end of the day, they will let me know if I'm one of the lucky few that will get access to climb up half them, right? Because not everybody can get. And uh, so there was a similar concern at the time, and we see it clearly in uh, the Gospel to Romans, sorry, the, the letter to the Romans, that uh, there's a concern about that. Um, in verse uh, 29, 
it says, uh, or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles uh, also. So the concern was, well, you know, there were God's chosen people, the Jews, so we could understand that, well, maybe Jesus came to pay the price for their sins, right? But not for mine. And, uh, but <clears throat> the scripture is very clear that it's for all, right? And we saw that earlier, too. It says, uh, uh, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace, right? So God is offering everybody. Uh, what Jesus did was good for everybody, not for the Jews only, uh, but also for the Gentiles. Okay, I promise to talk a little bit more about, um, about Yosemite. And my last point uh, to get to heaven, at some point you just have to do it, right? You have to get up and take the way. You have to, to uh, not just know about it, but actually walk it, right? You could study all about how to climb up half them, but uh, you might just never get up and do it. And that's what happened to me. Uh, the first opportunity I had to climb half dome, I went uh, right before I was married, and I stayed with uh, uh, Mike Bellis and uh, uh, Michael Alonzo. We, we got a housekeeping unit together. <clears throat> and uh, maybe it was David Bellis. Might have been David Bellis and Michael Alonzo. Uh, but they, they were going to climb up to half dome. And I was like, okay, that sounds good, climbing up half dome. That sounds like a interesting thing to do. But then I found out the night before that they'd be getting up, I forget, but something like four in the morning. I was like, what? <laughs> Never mind, I think I'm just going to be sleeping. You know, you guys can get up and, and go climb half them. I'm just, you know, it's not worth it for me to get up so early in the morning. Uh, the funny thing is, uh, I don't know if it was a year later, sometime later, one of my uh, co-workers, I was in college in Berkeley at the time, convinced me uh, to go to half dome with him and a couple of friends. So I was like, well, okay, you know, sounds like, you know, it's a good idea. So, you know, we drove all the way to Yosemite. We camped outside the park. Um, or it might have been in the park, but it wasn't down in the valley because that's the camping that was available. Uh, and we got up at four in the morning and uh, drove down to the valley and started climbing. And uh, we got up to Nevada Falls, and we were stopped. Why? Uh, because there was a fire. There was a fire. The fire wasn't obviously on top of Half Dome. It was kind of down below Half Dome, but the smoke was drifting up. They decided, oh, that's too hazardous. Uh, we're not going to let anyone climb Half Dome today. Uh, so the lesson from that is uh, this is a limited time opportunity. You know, God loves you. And, uh, and he made a way for you to go to heaven. And he tells us very clearly about how to do it in his word. And Jesus paid the cost. He paid the price necessary uh, for you to go to heaven. But you still have to accept it. You have to choose to trust in Jesus and accept what he did for you. And... It is a limited time opportunity, 
right? It's not, it's not something that you could just do whenever you want to. Uh, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you, and in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You are not guaranteed another day. Today, today, if you don't know the Lord Jesus, today, if you don't know that you're going to heaven, you could choose to accept what Jesus did for you. I cannot promise you tomorrow. You may not be alive tomorrow. It could be that you'll be alive, but you won't think about it uh, tomorrow. Uh, God might be drawing you, speaking to you, calling you today. Don't wait. Accept what Jesus did for you today. Make sure before you leave this building that you have your name written in heaven. Have confidence that you're going there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Uh, we're amazed that you go to such a length, such an effort to, uh, to first make a way for us uh, to go to heaven and then to uh, disclose it to us, make it clear to us uh, in, in plain terms of, of how, what it is that we must do. We must trust in you. We must trust in the Lord Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. And uh, you promise that everybody who does that receives the gift of righteousness, is declared righteous by you, uh, is perfected forever, has the name written in heaven, and will get to spend eternity there with you and everybody else uh, who will be there. And we pray for anybody in this room or perhaps anybody listening uh, to this message who hasn't yet trusted in you, that you help them uh, let go of whatever it is that's, that's hindering them and, uh, and enter, Lord, into, into an eternity of being with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.